Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Zero. It gets a bad rep. Like when people say they have zero interest in something. Well, if you're thinking of buying an electric car this year, you'll find this interesting. Because at Nissan, we see the power of zero. Introducing the Nissan Leaf Power of Zero offer. Buy a brand new 100% electric zero emissions Nissan Leaf and get one year's free servicing, a free home charger, the lowest electric finance offer on the market and great savings on running costs. Now that's the power of zero. Find out more at Nissan.ie. Welcome along, everybody, to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that thinks the only coup worth having is one that comes out of a war pigeon. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, we're getting back to that, guys. That's the level the of pun we're working on, Liz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because if, the, if all around you is falling apart, like the American political system, make a fucking pun out of it. That's what we say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that was something, wasn't it? Last week. I tell you what. Best bit of live sport I've watched for weeks, though. <laughs> it was... I've, I've, I've rarely... It's been it's not often that you do that thing of literally sitting all night watching the news while it unfolds because you feel like you need to just in case something happens. Even though it's the same thing on a loop. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, and you, you know, in the world of Twitter, you'd find out in about five seconds. But there's still that sort of, you know, feeling deep down that something you shouldn't turn it off because something might happen, and it feels like something could happen. I can't get yeah, enough very of Jake. Strange. I can't get enough of Jake Tapper on CNN either. <laughs> oh, that guy was absolutely done <laughs> and had, had enough. After about twenty minutes of these fucking balance. Yeah. We're just like, well, you know, we're calling relatives. I'm calling them terrorists within about three seconds <laughs> you, of it starts. You do you, Jake, correct on that. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that that was the live sport last week. Um oh sorry, yeah. I'm everybody. It might be Hello. the yeah, hi, I'm Josh. It might be the only live sport we get for the foreseeable fucking future as well, but we'll come on to that. We will come on to that. How was your weekend? 
I mean, you know, it was very similar to everyone else's fucking weekend, really, <laughs> in these day and ages. Um, I didn't do a lot. Um, I didn't stay up till 5 a.m. watching a fucking American football game, though, which was stupid, but... You know, did you? Well, what I, else I, I going to do? I had the choice to do that last night, but it was a Sunday. You did it Saturday, I guess, for yeah, the Buccaneers. Yeah, Saturday for the Buccaneers game. Yeah. So who the Buccaneers got next? Uh, New Orleans in the Superdome, which is probably not going to go well. But you know, everybody thought the Cleveland at Heinz Field wouldn't go well last night, and <laughs> it went very well. So, I mean, it wouldn't have gone well if, knows. if if Pittsburgh didn't give Cleveland twenty eight points. Within the first don't, six minutes. Don't argue about these things, you know. Sometimes hey, things just go the way they're supposed to go. This is Cleveland's whole century of luck was in that six minutes. Basically, yeah. But it might be all you need. You might ride that to the Super Bowl. You probably won't ride it to the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs next, which is a ah, little yeah, bit... Remember that time when um, Bath ended up with the shit watch trophy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Cardiff beat vibe. them. Yeah, then Cardiff. vibes. And then Cardiff went immediately back to Bath the week after, and, and, and got Bath it back. Made them pay. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's 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 that vibe, isn't it? But it's a wonderful thing. Somebody said it to is. me the other day, "Why, why do you?" Somebody said a genuine question. They said on Twitter today, "Why are you a Cleveland Browns fan?" Because <laughs> it's like so misty. I also found out that long-suffering Dragons fan and friend of the pod, Jamie Phillips, is a Cleveland Browns fan. So he's from Newport. And decided to follow a team from Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The the reasons why people pick their American football teams are are strange and myriad, and you know, legion, I, particularly yeah, in Britain. But, I said the truth of it was, I felt weirdly, even as a ten year old, and I chose them. I felt some affinity with them straight away. I recognised they were from a shit pit, <laughs> and that this was going to be a challenge. I and uh, I just because that's kind of that was where I grew up, so. Yeah, I, I I know what you mean. You 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 see yourself in reflected in something. I was completely fascinated by the dog pound thing as well when I was like that 11. That is cool. To be fair, the fellas with yeah. the fucking dog ears on and no tops in January and stuff. You got to <laughs> you got to respect that. You have got the, the commitment of also I, I, a wider sort of point about American football. I, I respect their commitment to still playing in snow. It's like none of this, like, we can't play on public safety grounds nonsense. It's like, we will sweep out all of the seats. We will sweep the pavements on the way to the stadium. And I don't care if it's ankle deep in fucking snow, we be playing. And it's minus 23, but minus 33 yeah, with, the, with the wind chill. Yeah. I don't care if you can barely see it on television. There was a game a couple of years ago. I think it was New York-Detroit and... It was it was one of the best, like, genuinely one of the most memorable sporting games I've ever watched because it was being played in a genuine, not a pretend blizzard, an actual, you know, New yeah. York, well, New Jersey, as it was in uh, Netherlands, I think, New Jersey in December blizzard. And, like, players would, you know, land on, would get tackled and they'd come up and their face masks would just be, like, full of snow. <laughs> <laughs> and they couldn't, and they'd have to clean it out because it was like three inches deep. It was great, brilliant. Yeah, the season is over. Like that, the last week in January, whatever happens, we are not postponing yeah. anything. Do not give a fuck. <laughs> well, I think they've only got like they've got seventeen weeks to complete a sixteen-week season, so there will be no fucking. There's there's no take backs. You know they've 
they they had it at the start of this season where you know one game had to be postponed because of COVID, and then they realised, oh fuck, we can't do that anymore. We're out of bye weeks now. It's that thing, is it? Yeah, but can he do it on a wet Wednesday in Stoke? In yeah, but can he do it? <laughs> can he do it in Green Bay in January <laughs> on the twenty first? Of- <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's. I I love that though. I love sport played in extreme weathers. It, oh, that was it. it was Colts Bills? I'm, I'm totally wrong. And um, in 2017, and was then in, in 2018, Buffalo? it was. Uh, yes, it was in Buffalo because Colts were in a dome. And then I think it was. T- uh, it was Eagles Lions actually in 2018, <laughs> where just you couldn't see anything, and it was great. I love it. I love shit like that. Extreme sports like weather. Extreme weather making excellent athletes look like they're a pub team is absolutely my fucking vibe. I'm here for that. If you want to get in touch with us, I'm at Blood and Mud or I'm Lee at bloodandmud.com. And how do people get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner or indeed at Rugby Show Watch. We're on Acast, we're on Apple, we're on other podcast providers. You can find us now. We've been around long enough, over five years yeah. now. Yeah. We're also on patreon.com slash blood and mud. Once again, incredibly indebted to you all for your support throughout all of this. And there's also Indeed. Yeah. There's patreon.com slash blood and mud for the two pound a month, or you can pay twenty pounds for the year and get everything and get all the backstory and all that, whatever you want. And additional episodes and all that stuff. Or you can do five pounds a month to enter the V well, the Alibrew Memorial VIP. The Memorial. <laughs> Does that make it sound like he's dead? It's a memorial to his career. His career <laughs> like, is dead. That's fine. Like like when we said that friend of the pod, Patricia Vieira, was in a better place last week or whatever you said. And it's not that she's well, just, just gone home to we, Ireland. We just meant Ireland. Yeah. We didn't mean dead. Um, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. But it's a memorial to his, his great and prosperous and exciting career. I mean, I'll be honest. It, his career looks more alive than Nathan Brew's uh, anti-racism career. Judging by that little five minutes that they had on Scrum 5, wherever it was, trying to, let's take on racism and have a chat with Nicky Robinson about it. Oh, God. I'm not even going to go over it again because it was so teeth-scrapingly awful. (laughs) Yes, it was. But just fucking hell. I'd just love to see what the director is called. Can we put this out, seriously? It's in the can now, though. We'll have to put it out. What are you supposed to do? We've got nothing else. There's no rugby to show. <laughs> yeah, it's the thing, isn't it? It's like, well, we filmed the segment now, and, you know, well, we, can't, we, we, we can't put the toothpaste back in yeah. the fucking TV. And, have to and then Nathan will be kicking off, thinking we don't take racism seriously if we don't put this out. Oh, it was just unfortunate, I think is the word. Anyway, patreon.com slash blood and mud, the Alibrew Memorial Lounge. If you come into the five mm. quid, or you can pay 50 quid for the year. Yeah, you can. Which, uh, to get in the VIP lounge, just gets you a lovely mention on here. And also, we have a go at saying what kind of rugby player we think you are. And this month, certainly do. this week, not this month, this week. Well, it could be this month if nobody else joins. But um, <laughs> this week. Go into this with real optimism here. This yeah, week. Like it. <laughs> uh, joining us is Steve Langdon in the VIP. Mm-hmm. Go on, Josh, you tell us what kind of player you think old Steve Langdon is. Local UPVC magnate Steve has big dreams. 
dreams that will see his beloved Earlsdon Evangelicals rocket up the National Leagues into the Prem and turf wasps out of the Rico to finally give Coventry the proper homegrown team that it deserves. And you can't say that he's not putting his money where his mouth is either because he's, he's bankrolling lavish spending on the club's facilities. He's paying a load of shady boot money to entice players to drop down in Division or 2 mm-hmm. to make Earlsdon a dominant force in Midlands 5 West. Nice. Unfortunately... All this is hamstrung by player coach Steve insisting on picking himself outside half every week with inevitable results. He's 43. I've got Steve Langdon as a 30, not far off really, but a 37-year-old fullback for Wearside Jack RFC in the Northeast Lower Leagues. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Steve runs a news agent that exists uh, as if the internet has never happened as it still has half of its available shelf space dedicated to Adult periodicals. Look, some people enjoy getting their enjoyment not on the internet. Uh, People wonder who buys them when they walk in. But Mm -hmm. Steve knows, and Steve judges (laughs) you for it. (laughs) So there you go. Well, I mean, what's the point of being a news agent if you don't get to judge people for that sort of thing? That's what I want to know. So there you go. Thank you, Steve. If anybody else wants to sign up, it's patreon.com slash blood and mud. We begin, Josh, as we always begin, with a a player spotted. Mm -hmm. Kudos to anybody who's spotting players out there right now, because it's fucking slim pickings, I imagine. (laughs) It must be through a long lens, surely. (laughs) Yes. Speaking of long lens, did you watch the celebrity documentary that was on uh, BBC Three over Christmas? I did, actually. Wasn't it interesting? It was interesting. Well, actually, stroke disturbing, remembering what happened in the 2000s, mostly. Yeah, it was a grim time, and I genuinely think that it's a toss-up between the paparazzo and the guy who ran the paparazzo company for worst piece of shit on the planet. Yeah, that is a toss-up. That is because the guy who ran the like network of paparazzos in LA and basically just made it his business to give Britney Spears a mental breakdown is a, a truly and truly I think he's horrible worse person because he like mobilized an army of the yeah. type of cunt that the other bloke was. <laughs> yeah, the that, other bloke he was, was, was yeah. just a cunt. Yeah, but he, he was at least on his own. You know, he was an incredibly unpleasant person who went around sticking his camera up people's skirts and shit. That particular like bit where oh I can't remember which god. woman it was when he they literally oh took a photo god. of the woman's skirt. It was like, oh my god, that was normal. <laughs> Is that the thing? Is it? Wait, you see, you could do that back then. No, you couldn't. You no, just you chose to do you it anyway. You, you shouldn't. It's it, yeah. It was a, an eye opening. Well, not so much eye opening because we all knew anyway. But like, it's a. It, it reminded me of how awful it was and how we fucking got here. Yes. Hmm. In a way, they well. Anyway, we could go on forever. That's a patron episode, probably. Indeed. Was it player spotted? Yes, we're yes, spotting we players, not through a long lens. Players, and not don't through. don't follow don't be twenty seven photographers following a player around the supermarket like Britain. Trying to get a shot trying to get a, a camera up his skirt. You know. <laughs> anyway, our spotted this week comes from Lloyd Maliphant. Lovely name. Who sends us a DM, I assume, judging by the name, from his position as lead singer songwriter of a lo fi alt rock band. Mm. Yeah, he definitely has that vibe, actually. You're right. Yeah. Lloyd Malifaux definitely has that, doesn't he? <laughs> um, 
Anyway, player spotted. Lloyd says, hot off the press. So he's, it's a recent spot. Hello. I've just this moment seen Ian Witten, boring player, like it. Really boring player, yeah. In Exeter Vale, Tesco. Yes, yes, boring location. Like it, absolutely love it. Buying a Kit Kat Chunky four-pack. Ooh, boring. I mean, Kit Kat Chunky, boring bar of chocolate. Yeah. Four-pack. Suggest he's had a bad day. Lloyd does want to emphasise it was the plain ones, not the peanut butter ones. <laughs> However, they cost a pound for the four pack. Well, he's savvy, isn't he? He's not going to get caught out by. He's an Ulsterman, Ian Witten, isn't he? Isn't he an Ulsterman? He knows a bargain when he sees one. He's not going to pay full price for fucking Kit Kat chunkies. He and probably went there on the way home. He's probably done his big shop in Aldi, but then he's heard that. Kit Kat Chunkies are on offer in Tesco, so he stopped in on the way home. It's always worthwhile looking if you're in a garage as well, like a Euro yeah. Garages or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's see. always good chocolate deals to be had there. Boost Duo, £1.20, fuck off. <laughs> four, pack of, four pack of Marses might be an offer for a quid. Always yeah, look around. Don't it's let like, the man dictate to you what you should buy. It's like the chocolate orange offer at WH Smith, you know. You might as well. You know, if they're going to give you a chocolate offer at W. A. Smith, you know, only go to the counter at W. A. Smith, and they're always like, "Oh, we've got you know a chocolate orange or something on offer." For oh yeah, there's a, always you know, something. that's the bin end of this, in yeah. a whoopsie sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yes, yeah, like would you get you get this for like twenty? Would you like a bottle of water, a Daily Mail, and a chocolate orange for a pound? <laughs> it's like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Just let me buy my magazine or my pack of cigarettes or whatever in peace and fuck off. You know, it was a beast to see pandemic on pack of pandemic yeah. on. <laughs> However, having said that, you know, like you get fuming because they keep like offering you food when you're trying not to eat it. Mm-hmm. I get equally fuming at the Aldi fucking tills when they've got nothing but fucking raisins. Yeah, it's like who mints. wants raisins and mints at the checkout, guys? Come on, just have nothing at all. At least have something. I've got to sit there or stand there, I should say, for about you know five or six minutes. At least have something to entertain me. This is why American supermarkets put trashy tabloids on there. Of the kind, what take photos up women's skirts? Because uh, you know, at least that's something to look at. Even not that we're condoning it, mind you. Not that we're condoning it at all, but it's something. It's it is something to look at. And it certainly looks a lot better than a load of fucking geological <laughs> snack bars. What do they call them? Fucking that cave. What's the word? Neolithic? No, Paleolithic. Paleo, Paleo bar. Paleo bar. Yeah, yeah. Looks yeah. like a turd, and apparently well, yeah, you're meant to it, eat it. It just literally looks like something's come out the other end and they've foiled it. Having said that, it. a boost yeah. looks like a turd. And I'm all I'll over it. I'll tell you what absolutely does look like a turd is a, is a Cadbury's picnic. But it's absolutely top-level chocolate. Divides opinion the... in my house of Cadbury's picnic. My daughter <sighs> won't have it. Have you had picnic bites, the little ones? Where do you no, I haven't. Oh, I, I mean, I wasn't aware this was a thing. But all you didn't know the other bags of Cadbury's bags. You can get boost yeah, bites yeah. now. Ever since Kraft took over, the technology on chocolate has become is off the charts. <laughs> next, next level now, isn't it? <laughs> they can miniaturise everything you've eaten. It's incredible. <laughs> Truly, we are living in the future, Josh. I mean, I'm, I've, my world has been rocked there. To be honest with you. So they, does each bites. does each bite have the correct? Yeah, uh, imagine, imagine, mm-hmm. honey, I shrunk the kids, but picnic version, <sighs> loads of them piled into a bag. However, I mean, you've got to be crafty as well sometimes because these offers look good sometimes. Mm. Here's the biggest offer you should avoid: not a big bag of fruit pastels. Yeah, yeah. One pound twenty or whatever, one pound forty. Mm-hmm. 
always go for the four pack of fruit pastels for a pound. That makes fruit sense. pastel per penny. Off, yeah. you know, it's not even a comparison. <laughs> I mean, I know, but I'm not, I don't need to tell you these things. No, you're, you're all savvy shoppers. You understand this. You, when you're looking, you know, when you're buying toilet roll, you're having a look at the cost per sheet. You know, they're not stupid. However, you know, maybe you're not aware of the picnic bites. Like cost I per litre on pop. Always yep. have a look at that. Always don't be taken for a fucking important. mug no, by these no. people. <laughs> we should set up one of those websites like fucking... Maybe we could call it Money Saving Experts. Something like that, would you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like for people like us. He's done well, hasn't he, the money saving. I tell you what, he's the, Martin, whatever his name, Martin Lewis. Lewis has absolutely done an amazing job. Like, of, did you hear his Desert Island Discs? Was it incredibly mundane? It was kind of mundane, but then he said, "I don't even like music. I'm not really into it." But somehow I had to pick. Like, at which point, when the researchers say, "We're well, not fucking coming on then." <laughs> yeah, surely uh, there's a pre- got to be a prerequisite <laughs> of just liking money, not liking but like music. He just likes money, saving so, money. So we're up to disc, disc number five now. What's, what have you picked for disc number five? And why have you picked that? It was on in the fucking car on my way here. Can I have a check now? <laughs> Look, he's got us. If he, he's saving those pennies by doing these BBC shows that he shouldn't be doing, and then he's going to go on a nice family holiday at the end of the year. Can I also say that that was an absolutely incredibly brilliant Laurel Laverne impression? Whatever anybody tells you, that was glorious. When you started doing it, I was like, who the fuck does Desert Island Discs these days? <laughs> Is it Donald and Davey Star from uh... <laughs> Have you brought any, uh... any marzipan with you? Um, anyway, so what the fuck are we talking about? Right, thank you, no Lloyd. Yeah. Ian Witten being incredibly boring in Exeter. Yes, yes. But a savvy shopper. Got to respect it. Got to respect it. Certainly a better shopper for chocolate than he is a winger, judging by the weekend. God love him. Yeah. Didn't, I mean, Exeter's policy of just keeping these sort of players you forget exist around until needed. I mean, I think it's the slightly running out now. Like, <laughs> so some, some of these guys are getting quite old and they're not very good anymore. So anyway, thank you, Lloyd. Anybody else who's got a really boring play spot, you go somewhere to top that. Absolutely. But the more boring they are, the more tangents we can go on. So come on, exactly. bring it on. You can get in touch on the Patreon messaging service, but only if yeah, you're a you patron, can. obviously. Obviously. Uh, at Blood and Mud or LeahBloodandMud.com. Don't message Josh. He will ignore you. He's not I interested. Absolutely will ignore you. Have you set your whole Twitter up now to only speak to people you want to speak to? I think that's the way you've gone with it, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I haven't. I mean, I've not had a great deal of choice in that matter, but unless I also follow... I, th- I think unless you follow me and I also follow you, I just won't see it because that's the only way for me to exist in the internet these days. We make Robert do the football... Uh, um, podcast with who writes for the Guardian and has done for a very long time. Um, so he's dealt with below the line comments Ooh. since the beginning of the internet, yeah. pretty much. So he's abandoned Twitter. He's he's not having Absolutely anything to do with it. Him. And somebody's accused him of running away from Twitter, uh, like it's a fucking like it's, house you fire. To, like or something. you have to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, he's running away from it. <laughs> anyway, what an absurd. Sorry, that's just quite tickled me. Uh, <laughs> Yes, let's let's actually do this podcast instead of you know just this talking is, about random tonjo. I mean, yeah, you yeah. Let's do this podcast and move on to the next very relevant section. <laughs> Everything right now, Josh. Let's yeah. be honest. It's it's hard to love things right now, isn't it? 
It is. And All we about saying, us is what is bad. And we were saying what came in before we came on air. It's like, it's not been a very joyous weekend in the world of rugby union football, is it? There's not a lot of happy things to talk about. No, and it got worse today. After the week, yes. Monday made it even worse. <laughs> yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about it later on. Yeah. You know us. Keep yeah. that, keep so we thought we'd, you know, we'd bring back, because it's miserable and everything's being cancelled. Yeah. Then we basically need to do a war animal. It's war animal yeah, time. We've got to uncancel war animals, everybody. I've got a jingle for war animal, but I wish I did. No. Would it just be a lot of animal noises with some marching behind it? And maybe sort of like a a kind of I don't know, but I'm on board. I'm on, I like the way where it's going. I was, I was instantly going somewhere really tasteless with the last post. And I was just like, let's let's just bail out that one. <laughs> the sound of a dying horse. The last last post playing. Yeah. Um, anyway, listener, Mark, no people love this because listeners volunteer them now. So listener, yes. listener, Mark Preston, uh, mm. not the one who used to play wing for Wigan in the late eighties. I'm guessing. Are we sure? Could be, but uh, maybe you can confirm, Mark. Um, suggested the beauty that is Tuffy the Naval Dolphin, which is not made up. No, his name is Tuffy. I mean, they always call them <laughs> silly names, don't they? They do. That's one they... thing we've learned from this, you know. Now, Tuffy mm-hmm. the Naval Dolphin. Now, this opens up an entire can of worms into another. Uh, I, got much... ve- I, I got so. To be honest with you, the whole thing about using dolphins in the military is, is a bit blackfishy, you know? <laughs> this... I've not seen that for ages. Now, that's a fucking depressing watch, isn't it? Oh, Black yeah. Um, Everybody I... feels like those collapsed dorsal fins of blackfish, don't they, right now? <laughs> I mean, we are basically those poor captive orcas just going round and round yes. and round in our tanks, except our tanks are our local area. If we had dorsal fins, they'd have been yeah. collapsed to fuck by last yeah. June. I've got... We basically have just had to end up going on the... Just to get out of the house, just going on the same walk every day. And I tell you what, eight months or nine months into this, no matter how many times we tried to sort of vary our route of walking around a suburban housing estate outside of Bristol, there's not a lot to... Uh, I live by the coast, obviously. Yeah. And I went. I took the dog for a walk of the day, and some. And, you know, I've got my headphones in with an hat on, mm-hmm. um, and then a middle-aged woman who didn't even have a dog started talking to me. What? <laughs> so I was like, I like deliberately like lifted up my hat and like <clears throat> pulled the earphone out to demonstrate what I'm having to do. She's still talking. I said, "What?" You know, I said, "Yeah, what?" I said, "Oh, you, you know, you can walk in that North Wales which because you can go the whole way down there." for an hour with the dog and you can get to, to, to where you can see the smoke coming out of and it was like, what? The fucking power station? What do I want to walk there for? <laughs> she said, but honestly, you can go there and you can see all the... You can see all the she's only trying to be nice, bless her. You can see all the, the snow... They're always trying the, to be nice, but come on. You can see all the snow on the mountains. You can go back to the... It's like, well, you know, imagine if I... I'd, I could have blown her mind by said, this is the fucking North Wales coastal path, love. If you keep walking, you can go to fucking Pembroke if you walk for long enough. <laughs> <laughs> but that would have been too much for her, I think. For her, um, she was already her mind was blown. You could walk to Connor's Key Power Station with your dog. So yeah, we don't. I don't have anything. You know, I'd, I'd love a power station to be honest with you, <laughs> as opposed to just houses and houses oh, and houses really and a big as and a big Asda. I live across the road from 
well, the Dee Estuary and a marsh. So you cross the railway line. It is actually quite nice. Views <laughs> over the Wirral, all that stuff. So I'm not going to moan too much. Whereas today, I invented uh, a game for me and my wife to play uh, to spice up our, our, even, our, ev- <laughs> our evening walk. Oh, and wow, it's, okay. called, it's called Big Light or Lamp. Right. Right. So you walk you walk in through a, a suburban housing estate and you look at someone's windows and it's you know it's about it's five past five you know it's dark now and you can see the light in the window and you have to guess have they got the big light on or is that just a lamp and you can tell <laughs> by the there's no way of knowing I mean it's academic these but are it's the just, real victims of lockdown it's just, it's just, it's just next time you're out with your, your friends and anything other maybe just on your own you know just. About half past five, you know, evening time, when it's just big light or lamp. My mate and his wife, and this is true, mm-hmm. this is true. It is my mate and his wife, I'm not making this up. My mate and his wife have a game called Hotter or Rotter. All right. <laughs> and you know the, do you know the, um, the, the phone-in stations on, on, in the 900s on Sky? <laughs> yes, the babe stations yep. of this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put that on and then they go... And this is true. The two of them do this. It's told me. They go hotter or rotter, and then you say like hotter, and then you flick onto the next channel. And if they consider the the next lady to be hotter, then you get a point. The problem is you can't do that when you're just out walking. No, you. <laughs> it depends where you walk. You do. You have to keep it to yourself very quietly. That reminds me of the time when we inadvertently walked through the red light districts in Geneva with the kids when we a couple of, about three years ago, which is like one crossroads in Geneva, and we managed to fucking find it somehow in the middle of the day. It was weird. It was, it, I tell you what, it wasn't as big a deal, but I was on a, a stag doing uh, in oh fuck, where were we? Uh, in Germany a couple of years ago, and um, Talabond. <laughs> Oh, fuck, where is it? I've forgotten the name of the city. I'm losing my mind. Berlin. Hamburg. Fuck me, we're in Hamburg. Um, and we were walk, just walking to try and watch uh, Man United-Chelsea on like the Sunday afternoon before we went home. And somebody was like, oh, the Google Maps says just cut through here. Ooh. And it was cutting through the real, real... Like, obviously, Frankfurt is a, you know den of iniquity at the best of times, particularly the Reaper Barn. And, and you were like, in Hamburg, but yeah. Indeed, uh, Hamburg, sorry, fuck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hamburg is, you know, is a dirty place. Let's not beat around the bush. Um, but the actual proper dirty bit at at, at quarter to one in the after, on a Sunday afternoon. Oh dear! It's, it's just we were. It was about twenty of us, and obviously we didn't have kids or anything. But it was just like, God, this is bleak. And it really just, I didn't feel in the mood to drink beer and watch football after that, to be but honest. just felt la- a bit sad. Ladies and gentlemen, big light or lamp while you're out on your walk. Big, big Don't tell lamp. me you won't be doing it. You'll yeah. all be doing it tomorrow. You see a light on in the window, the curtains are closed, and you've got to think, is it a big light and thick curtains, or is it a lamp and thin curtains? But how do you you've know that the curtains decision. are closed? you just got to come There's to no the consensus. There's no way you just got to come to a consensus. You've got to make, you know, you make your arguments. Mm, you, sounds you, like there could be trouble brewing, though. Well, you know. relationship, do you know what I mean? Nah. Anyway, case, case meanwhile... you'll get an open window because they haven't remembered to close the curtains yet, and that's when you know, obviously. Meanwhile, back yes. in the sea, <laughs> um, tougher yes. than able dolphin. So, yeah, mm. we open up an entire... Go on, you were saying about dolphins... Bit black groups, fishy. Bit black yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I guess at the same time, it's not a, a million miles away from sort of like... Training a dog, is it? Training a dog, yeah. You know, and the, mil- and the military and the police using them, um, which seems to be dolphins' as primary use in the Navy. 
Yeah. But, yeah. So this all starts back in 1960. It does. American engineers captured a Pacific white-sided dolphin in the hopes of studying the animal to, and improving their torpedo designs. I would love the idea of a fucking dolphin-shaped torpedo just flying along the top of the sea. But anyway, I love this, though. The dolphin never helped make torpedoes any better. What a fucking shit What a shit Clever my arse, yeah. Is this, the same proje- is this the same project with that women what wanked off a dolphin in the 60s? Not Rebecca Lou's wanking the pig off. Is that a different No, no, thing? no. Going back to the it celebrity that, documentary now. But yeah. Was that, what's it, what's it, Margaret or something? It was like a NASA thing. In Florida in the 1960s. This just keeps growing legs. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> Where they were trying to... Dolphin you know, you know, in space being wanked incre- off. It's incredible. It was it was like a, a sort of a NASA project to try and learn how to communicate with dolphins. And there was this woman... <laughs> they thought that tossing them off was the way to do it. <laughs> it was, I can't remember. I remember the dolphin was called Peter, which just made it worse. Um and she was trying this woman was trying to teach the dolphin to communicate with her and so he she like basically like moved in with him and like slept next to him in this tank and like worked on a desk that was like half submerged under the water where his tank was so that they could like develop this rapport and they spent so much time together that like and this was like a peter was like a sort of young adolescent dolphin that he basically used to get horny. And so she basically just used to let him kind of rub himself off on her. And and she was sort of... And and then she was kind of just like... Kind of into it. In a weird way. In a sort of emotional connection with an animal kind of way. There's like a doc- there was this a is what happens when you, let, when you let the government get involved in business. There was a fucking... There was a documentary on... BBC, I think it was BBC Four a couple of, a couple of years ago about it. I think it was called the the girl who talked to dolphins or something, but it should have been called the world the girl that tossed off dolphins because <laughs> a lot more people would have watched it. Anyway, <laughs> did they do it in a lay by like in Vanished in Plain Sight? <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, reminds me of that other uh, yeah. one when, when they got that uh, when that bloody psychologist decided to raise a chimp as a member of a normal family. And as soon as it reached sexual maturity, it started headbutting everybody and smashing the house up. I think that's what they were probably trying to avoid. I'm uh, not a professor it, of psychology, but I could have told you that was about, that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So the U S you know, the United States government was doing some weird shit with dolphins in the sixties. Yeah. Generally. And probably LinkedIn, but trying to, I reckon all of this was, was, was really in a, I reckon this was all part of a plot to try and kill Castro. Guaranteed. <laughs> Ultimately, it will all come back to Because he loves scuba Cast- diving, did he, Castro? Castro? Yeah, he did. If we can just convince this dolphin to take this knife. <laughs> <laughs> Shiv him a little bit. And avoid rubbing his knob up against Castro when he gets there. We'll be laughing. Um, so anyway, so didn't work with the torpedoes. So... They were impressed the animal's intelligence and their trainability. Is this when all the circus, not circus, but, you know, aquarium shit started, probably? I mean, they probably before, they they probably had it before then, but it, they could do great. You know, dolphins are incredibly intelligent, can't they? As as Tuffy demonstrates. So the following years, the training facilities were set up in conjunction with, the, with Sea Lab 2, underwater habitat used for testing by the US Navy, and Tuffy turns up and gets trained to deliver tools and messages from the surface to an underwater research station. Yeah. He's basically the sort of 
DPD employer of his, employee of his day, and Top equally underappreciated, you know. But that got, and you know, that's Tuffy's story, really. He was yeah. one of the first. He was, he was, he was um, a pioneer. He was a dolphin based because shit. Of, yeah. Now there's a whole the U.S. Navy Marine Mammal Program exists, and that's where things start to get more interesting. Yeah. Do you know there are currently five active marine mammal units in the U.S. Navy? Three dolphins, one sea lion, and the other one, which sounds like a recipe for total fucking chaos, sea lions and dolphins. (laughs) Factionalism will develop. (laughs) Surely you can't communicate with them both the same way. Depends, well, unless you're just going to wank them all off, that probably works, doesn't it? It's universal language. (laughs) Um, Tossing off the universal language. Can that be this week's title? Please? Oh, no, I've already got the title written down. You know okay, what it's going to be. The, the, so, and the type of things they, they get involved in, mine hunting. Yes. Underwater mine hunting, which is admirable, isn't it? Can't argue mm-hmm. with that. Force protection. So using them as sentries, ward like guard dogs. Have you, seen, have you seen the specific ways that they're taught to do the sentrying shit, though? It's fascinating. No, I didn't go that deep. So they basically like they're designed to like patrol like marine bases and like around American ships, you know, in the Gulf and places like that. And what they do is they just swim around the area, and if they see anybody that's not like a diver or something or uh, someone that's not supposed to be there, they've got a little fucking like thing that's attached to a buoy on the surface, and they grab that and they <laughs> and they swim up behind him and like attach it to his oxygen tank and then the buoy will explode and then it will let the people know that there's a wrong one down there. Good stuff. It's very it's very advanced. Object recovery, they do that as well. Yeah. <clears throat> so recovering stuff from down below and all that. And then no, see the interesting thing is this entire programme is classified as black ops. Mm. And yet they say, oh no, we're just, you know, recovering stuff and Checking the forces are all right. And then you get to the last bit, attack missions is one of the things. The Navy they, says it's never trained its marine mammals to attack missions against people or ships. Sure, yeah. Jan. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> American black ops program. We've all seen the Bourne identity. We know what you're up to. Um, the Navy stated, that, well, I love this though. The Navy, I love the idea that they're not doing it out of principle. They said the Navy, they said that dolphins can't discern the difference between enemy and friendly vessels or divers or swimmers. So this would be a haphazard means of warfare. And given that Americans can't even stop bombing their own troops with drones and shit. Are dolphins much worse? Exactly. (laughs) It's not just the US that's at this, of course, because in 2017, uh, Norwegian fishermen came across a very friendly beluga whale. Uh, who was wearing a harness that said St. Petersburg on it. And uh, most people seem... Uh, and it's criminal fucking mastermind stuff, that, isn't it? <laughs> it where, is. do you think, where do you think this beluga whale's from? <laughs> um, but yeah, so he effectively defected, um, which makes him the first ever whale defector, I believe. Um, yeah, so it, it confirmed sort of intelligence reports that the Russian Navy had been trying to train beluga whales to act as sentries in their Arctic military bases, and then they realised that belugas are just not very good at it. Why do you want to defect, mate? I hear you toss people <laughs> off, is that right? <laughs> um, also, a little tidbit that I found right right at the bottom 
of the Wikipedia entry on the United States Navy Marine Mammal Program. Mm. Um, did you know that in Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, there are multiple references to uh, cetacean ops, which was no. intended to be a place where dolphin and whale crew members worked. And, yeah. Like, there are even little outlines. Like, there's a blueprint of the USS Enterprise, and there's basically some big tanks with little outlines of whales and dolphins. Basically, some very optimistic person thought that in 400 years, dolphins and humans would be able to work together in space for some sort of useful purpose. And good luck to them, I say. What a wonderful vision of the future. Well, in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, whales and humans did work together. Well, exactly, yeah. But... They're actually members of the crew, apparently. Oh, I see. Like, yeah. Literally, like, do they get they're a jacket literally... and stuff? <laughs> I assume they get a little jacket and a little badge and everything. Fair dues. I don't know what. Because, I, I mean, the reason that the Navy uses dolphins is because their, um, their sonar is dramatically better than Anything even, the best, even the best man-made sonar, so they can find all sorts of crazy shit. So, you know, maybe they think that dolphin sonar will work in space, which seems like a leap, but, you know... More power you know, to them, I say. Some people said it seems like a leap, a, le- a leap that war animals would be on a rugby podcast. <laughs> but who's laughing now, eh? Who's laughing I mean. now? Zero. It gets a bad rep. Like when people say they have zero interest in something. Well, if you're thinking of buying an electric car this year, you'll find this interesting. Because at Nissan, we see the power of zero. Introducing the Nissan Leaf Power of Zero offer. Buy a brand new 100% electric zero emissions Nissan Leaf and get one year's free servicing, a free home charger, the lowest electric finance offer on the market and great savings on running costs. Now that's the Power of Zero. Find out more at nissan.ie. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. We're laughing. Most people listening aren't laughing, but we don't care. No, We're doing it that's anyway. That's fine. Shall we actually move on to something that resembles rugby? We huh. did mention rugby, I think, in the first five minutes, so don't moan too much. Oh, yeah, really. but still. <laughs> it's not a lot Shall of we do the shit. news? Shall we hit the news? Yeah. Shall we hit the big news first? Shit is yes. being suspended. Not cancelled. Definitely not cancelled. No. Um, Chinny record. Yeah. No fucking European Cup. I, I, don't, I don't blame anybody. I do not blame the Can we the blame French Saracens? Probably. We can certainly blame Exeter, because they were one of the teams that got called off in the last round for their COVIDiness, which sparked all this naughtiness. Um, but yeah, who can blame the French teams for not wanting to play on Plague Island? Frankly, um, well, the French don't seem too keen to vaccinate the people in their land. It must be said, no, about the figures that are coming out. Um, yeah, uh, Rob Baxter and Pat Lamb both were like, "Let's bring forward some Premiership fixtures and give the teams a chance to play with full international squads for a few weeks." And Premiership weirdly, sensibly went, 
you know what, why don't we just have a little fucking break? <laughs> Given that we're in the midst of a comically long season that's still theoretically got a Lions tour at the end of it, and there's a fucking pandemic on. Um, I expect the Pro 14 will probably follow suit and not have any rugby for a couple of weeks, which will make the level of rugby chat over these next two podcasts really super-duper high. We're back to lockdown one. So Six Nations is due to start three weeks on Saturday. Yes. No, no. It's not happening, uh, Yeah, Bernard Laporte's saying, oh, it'll be fine because the Autumn Nations Cup was fine, so what's the issue? And he seemingly forgot that Fiji only managed to complete one game. He also <laughs> doesn't seem to understand graphs. No, he doesn't. Yeah, thousands of people weren't dying every day in October, Bernard. But what are the, like? If this is, what are the options for the Six Nations? You know, like as much as Bernard would like to hope that things could just carry on, surely you know the state of the shit show that is currently going on in Britain, in particular, but Ireland's not too far behind, and you know it's not like France and Italy are unfucked either. Like. There's no way the whole fucking don't take the piss lads bubbles that existed in the autumn are going to be enough to keep things secure, as club rugby is demonstrating. Well, well the moment, they weren't you know? then either. Were no, they? no. So, and you know, it's you'd effectively sort of need a super bubble sort of thing where all the players and coaches isolated for ten days, then started training and then didn't have any contact with anyone outside the camp for the full seven or eight weeks or however long it is. And that's going to be a fucking laugh riot for the players and coaches. Where could you do it? Because where did the NBA do it? Well, this is the other thing. Yeah, you buy, you buy the, play the whole thing in a bubble location. The NBA played it in, um, in Disney World. And, and you, and you won't get they, too bored there either. Loads to do. Well, that's the, well, they couldn't do that's the thing. They couldn't go to the parks, but they did have free run of all the resorts, which did give them access to a lot of leisure facilities, golf courses, you know, swimming pools, etc. But they moved their entire league to Disney, and you can only do that, you know, they were, because of a the number of hotels that are around Disney, the fact that Disney has wide world of sports, and so has loads of athletic bits, but. They were in there for four and like they were in there from July until October, and they could not leave, and they Amazing. could not, and they were, and it was two months before they were even allowed guests, and those guests like their families, and those guests had to quarantine for ten days before they were allowed to come out and do anything. But they had zero positive cases in on tests in four months in that, so it can be done. Like let's shack up all the teams at Disney, Euro Disney for six weeks. Why not? Or we could use it to re- regenerate the northwest sort of bit of the northwest economy by shacking them all up, reopening Camelot, and shacking them all up there next yeah. next to the M6 near yeah. Chorley. Oh, <laughs> it'd be like a fucking dream for them. It's that football pitch in the Faroe Islands, isn't there? Can they convert that to rugby? Off Rugby Island, why not? Brilliant. It'd be fucking cold, but some people say that they like winter rugby, so. So, well, everybody, every time you say it, it shouldn't happen. Everyone says they like yeah. winter rugby. Like, I mean, it's... we're let's Go to New Zealand. Ask New Zealand if we can play over ga- like have play games. We have to get into New Zealand. You've got to, like, book your ho- your quarantine hotel and then align it with your flight and then get, a, like, a, yeah. sec- a secure, hermetically Absolute, sealed taxi. To absolute to- logistical nightmare. But, you know... But they're getting to go to pubs and watch rugby and everything. Yeah, they can even invite, like, okay, to get the sort of primetime UK TV audiences that they'd need to have the Six Nations on, they'd be playing it between sort of three o'clock and six o'clock in the morning. 
What else are you going to do? Just go on permanent night shift. Loads yeah. of people have worked on the pit were on permanent nights. They yeah. loved it. Don't don't go. Don't change your stuff. Don't change your your body clock. And True. then get some really. You could even have fans in. Okay, they'd be New Zealand fans, and they'd be doing it at six o'clock in the morning. But it'd still be fun. Why is New Zealand just, just seeing the Six Nations up close? They'd be horrified. Wouldn't it be weird if, like, playing in, like, all of a sudden, the Six Nations turned into fucking Super Rugby? And it yeah, was somehow like it was, absorbed. It was, actually the, it was actually the hemisphere that was the problem. It seemed to do with no. there's, there's an extra nitrogen <laughs> molecule in the southern hemisphere that that'll uncover. That's the secret to it all. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know, we're at a point where they're talking about people only being allowed to leave the house once a week over here now because how fucked we are. And you honestly think we can have a four-country international sports tournament in the midst of that? I mean, like, but you can see why New Zealand managed to get this sorted because you know, unlike us, you know, they're an island. Oh, hang on, um, and <laughs> they could have <laughs> so they could have locked themselves out of international travel. Not like, oh, hang on. Um, and yes. on we go. Hey, you can't not, go back, can you? We can't no. go back. So we are, we are where we are, and so either the Six Nations is going to get postponed, which would probably be the most sensible thing all round. I think. Yes. Like, because hell, it, I mean, if the Lions gets pushed back a year, as seems. See, I don't think it can be because, well, unless unions are one, will get compensated for not playing the summer tours next year. Well, they're not going to play the summer tours this year, are they? So it's kind of, and the, the home unions make a lot of money off the Lions, a lot more than they make from a fucking Southern Hemisphere tour. Oh, yeah, well. I don't know. I just whatever happens with the Lions, it seems very unlikely that it will be happening this July. So just play the Six Nations then, and you know, players could get a bit of a rest for a month. Imagine that. They could it's also radical. play in the summer and people will realise the entire world won't fall in on itself if you play it in June. You play rugby in the summer, yeah. It's a time for big ideas and bold ideas and what they'll probably do is just carry on until it gets cancelled about three rounds in because everyone's got COVID. Speaking of big ideas and bold ideas, mm. I mean, obviously, standing item of the, the All-Star weekend, that's still waiting for anybody who wants to do it. Honestly, that could be done at Camelot right next there. to the M6. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I've had two brilliant ideas about rugby, right? The All-Star game is one. And the second one is the one I had last night, which is the BBC ripping off what Nickelodeon did with showing the NFL game. Yeah, that got a lot of traction, didn't it? Such fun, though. Like, just colourful, Explain to people who haven't seen it what that that is. Uh, Yes, so famous US kids TV network Nickelodeon, which is owned by CBS, uh, broadcast in conjunction with the series, the adults one, one of the NFL wildcards playoff games last night in a Nickelodeon way. So it had, you know, silly sort of stats for kids comparing Alvin Ka- uh, Alvin Kamara to Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> and top trumps. And it superimposed SpongeBob SquarePants's face in between the posts when someone went for a kick. And they had slime, they had computer generated slime cannons in the end zone when somebody scored a touchdown. It was basically colourful and silly and fun. And if you were a kid, you would have absolutely loved it. And it just made me think the BBC absolutely 100 million percent needs to do that for the Six Nations on fucking CBBC or something and do the graphics and do everything. Don't just have some, don't just have some kid-friendly commentary on, because think about how boring rugby must look to you if you're a kid that's growing up in... 
Think about how boring rugby must look to you if you're an ex-professional over the age of 45. Maybe (laughs) they should watch it. Maybe that's just set up for them. Yeah. But like, think about like when you obviously sport looks like how sport has looked effectively. Like broadcast sport looks like how it has looked basically for the last thirty, forty years. Yeah, and all the innovations are shit, like zooming in on rooks and stuff. So I don't want to see yeah. that. The, the fancy like spider cam and shit is interesting, but uh, the zooming in on rooks things drives me fucking mad. Honestly, Amazon lost. I absolutely lost my mind with how Amazon's camera angles went in the Six yeah. Nations, but. The sort of basic thing of, you know, a neutral coloured score bug in the top left-hand corner, and that's it. Imagine how dull that looks to kids, when instead you can have sort of fun animated shit. You know, in a world of Snapchat filters, how boring that looks to kids. And I just thought it was really good and really cool, and we should all steal it immediately. Agreed. Right to your MP, everyone. Indeed. Mention the All-Star Weekend. So uh, the <laughs> if, Phil, if Phil Steele can have a change.org petition about not playing the Lions tour in Britain, then we can have a change.org petition about the BBC doing a kids' version of the Six Nations. Yes, that is a thing. People are bored. Uh, people are so very bored, aren't they? <laughs> so fucking bored. Uh... What other news have we got? Do uh, you want more depressing news? Well, yeah, or some well, we've quite, done the fun some, stuff. So. Do you like some more depressing news or some quite good news? We've just done depressing, do good, and we'll move back. Uh, Alex Sanderson's your new sale coach, apparently, which I think is a fucking brilliant appointment. Like, he's a good, intelligent young coach who's come from an extremely high-level environment. He played for sale. He's from Chester. Like, it's the perfect hiring candidate for sale. And like with one of the few people that you think, yeah, you can probably replicate what Dimes did, but better. He also, I quite liked him, so I'm glad he's away from exactly. Saracens now. So he's a, he's, I know he's, he's a sailor, but sailor in danger of becoming likable with him involved <laughs> and with the players they've got. It's yeah, it's a perfect sort of match of coach and team. I think it's a great appointment. Indeed. Uh, well, other good news, actually. Let's, let's do good news. Let's do a, a good mm-hmm. sandwich, if you like. Uh, Grieg is to make his debut at the weekend playing for the snappily titled NTT Communications Shining Arcs. Wasn't it Kieran Reid and Michael Hooper playing in the same back row in the... Yeah, and the Japanese back row who's not going yeah. to the Chiefs for a little while. Is it yes, yeah. Oh, fuck, what's his name? I can't remember. Um, I remember. But... Yes, which in a sort of all-world exciting back row of that you'll never see anywhere else ever again. <laughs> I think that's what Japanese rugby is for now, and I'm f- absolutely fucking here for it. Toyota, the Blitz, that was it. Who they were. But um, yeah, can we just make Japanese rugby that now, where we get to see our sort of fantasy rugby? So we make like, it. We make Japanese rugby an all-star season. Yeah. Just get all the best sort of slightly past it, you know, players from outside of Japan with all the fun players that we like from the Japanese national team and and just, just, just put it all together, see what happens. It'll be like that. Remember the old, those, that Sky Legends thing, whatever it was called? The seven yes. aside <gasps> thing. The, the soccer six thing. Yes. It'll be like that, the... but with less sort of stench of casual racism and misogyny. <laughs> Very much that, yeah. Or maybe not. Hopefully, Depends hopefully, who's going. 
and hopefully fewer uh, beer baddies as well. But you never know, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so that's that. What other news have we got? Carl Sinclair's been cited for swearing <clears throat> near another adult. Can we come back to that? Because I'm All feel right. I need to. I feel I need to rant about that. Any more news? Then? Um, yes. Uh, to uh, in depressing news, uh, Toulon and Bayonne are both apparently in for Israel Folau next season. How's he managed to wipe himself clean? Has he done a boycott? Has he has he, has he survived a cancer scare? <laughs> that makes people forget. I, no, apparently, apparently it's just still being a competent thirty-two-year-old fullback in rugby league, or he's playing centre in rugby league, I guess. Um, is enough to make Toulon and Bayonne consider morally bankrupting their club for him? Uh, fucking no idea. Speaking Bayonne of all, signed, Bayonne signed Mike Phillips once. Yes, now they're sullying, is. sullying that kind of reputation. Sullying, and then and then sacked him when he went and got pissed and, <laughs> See, and got they fighting got lot, with people. But he sacked for having a bit of booze, but hired yeah. for you know hate speech Ding. in an entire group of uh, people. <laughs> Speaking of old fullbacks, uh, Mike Brown's apparently off to Newcastle, reunited with Dean Richards. Uh, is he going to become a sort of mundane and unspectacular as Simon Hammersley while up there? We can, but we dream. Can, we can only dream that everybody becomes like Simon Hammersley. Well, really. indeed. Uh, speaking of uh, French, enough uh, English. Uh, speaking of both French people, players, and England internationals, actually, uh, Zach Mercer is off to Montpellier. Apparently, how old is Zach Mercer now? Twenty-four. Uh, he's still very young. He's still definitely uh, in a part of his career where you feel like he could crack the England team if. Things went right for him, but I think he's 23 years old. Um, <laughs> very much still a couple of years Having away from his prime. That, though, you go and sign a three-year contract in Montpellier, fucking rake it in. Come back, back and you're still 26. Tw- yeah, you're 26, 27. Especially for a number eight. You know, yeah, I think a number true. eight's, you're probably, what, 28, 30 is a number eight before you're in your real, like, maybe yeah. like you said, 26, between 26 and 30, probably. Yeah. And he doesn't get to sort of realise that he's not quite as good as Talupe every single week and every single time he walks onto the rugby field for him. So, you know, that'll be good for him. <laughs> he gives his everything, yeah, because he's trying to be Talupe, that's why. <laughs> um, no, but a good player, though, and, and very looked good like player. he had yeah. something. Uh, but no yeah. good for him, I think. Eddie, Eddie obviously doesn't fancy him, and Mercer's gone, well, <laughs> I'm going to go and play in France for a while. I shall make myself the new... Stefan Armitage and (laughs) and see if in three or four years time uh, England have a new coach who might fancy my brand of number six more make myself a new Stefan Armitage I'm going to make my brother into a twat everything is going to be all on brand Uh, right Uh, yes shall we talk about weekend yeah the weekend the weekend the weekend did you see much rugby this weekend in between Uh, I watched a few bits and bobs games here and there I watched the Ospreys game Obviously, uh, watched a few bits. Of watched Dexter Bristol. Watched uh, Bath Wasps on Friday night, which was a hell yeah, of a game. I saw those. I saw a bit of Cardiff Scarlets. Oh well, I watched that as well. Yeah, uh, it yeah. was. Uh, it was a good weekend of rugby, actually. Really good. It actually was. We're being a bit miserable about the news, but the, the actual stuff that happened on the pitch, which I suppose, is fucking, what rugby's about. Really, it was fucking it was, excellent. It was very good. Yeah. So the weekend, I've learnt winger hot takes are the hottest of all the takes. All right. As in, um, a dog woo 
Has a couple of good games. Looks a talented lad, don't get me wrong. Looks a very talented lad. But it's difficult, isn't it? Because normally you see you have the Autumn Internationals and there wasn't enough rugby between them for people to get excited and make incredibly thermonuclear takes on a winger. <laughs> so now it's a dog. But of course, he's qualified. I'd forgotten he qualifies for Italy. He qualifies for Italy. So there's and a huge I, I, Italy pile I'm on now. absolutely into him playing for Italy with their fun backline, by the way. Oh, why yeah. The fu- why the fuck not? He's like, lovely in close, isn't he? He really is. I think like, it's it's that stuff that's really interesting about him. That kind of that that um, uh, Emmett Smith type feel. Yeah, he. It's the step. It's it's not so much even step you in a phone box sort of thing. It's just he, and it's not even that he glides. It's just it's his, about a, a six inch change of direction. At yes, exactly, exactly the that. right time. It's 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 timing combined with very subtle movements. And he just seems to slither through. And I, re- yeah, I've really enjoyed watching him play for Wasp this season. So why and not? Bassett on the other wing as well. He's, he's yeah, Bassett. Well, those... Wasp generally really. Wasp generally fucking excellent. But Bassett, like one of those players that it's sort of like without wishing to become that guy that bangs the drum for club players to play for international. Like it surprises me he's never been in the a conversation about. It. I know England are are not short of good fucking wingers but like but Jones seems to have this I've got these people who are definitely going to start and then you've got another five who I'm definitely and then he's then I'm going to call up mad people yeah <laughs> well, this is the and thing call he, a project calls, player, isn't he, he calls up mad people instead of just going well you know Josh Bassett's absolutely the sort of player that Eddie Jones should like because he's what six foot three, six foot four, about fifteen stone. He's got Ben Tuman all over him. He's big fucking lad, and he's quick, and he's a good finisher, and he seems quite an intelligent player. It's like he could be in the right, you know, give him the right sort of situation, and he could have. And he's only he played for England under twenty levels, didn't he? I can't remember. I seem to remember him being involved in that sort of. Very good England under twenty side around about two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, something like that. Yeah, he it did just, play then. God, yeah, he's, he's twenty eight now. God, I thought he was. Younger yeah, I think he's getting he's getting on a bit, but he's still got you know, Johnny. Let's be honest, Johnny May was a terrible international winger until he was about thirty. So, excellent <laughs> diplomat. Never, though. Excellent international diplomat. Absolutely knows where the problems are and how to resolve them, and that's important. What have you got from the weekend? Um, I I'm less bothered about a player saying fuck in the vicinity of a ref. Than now now we're doing it, we? Okay. Than I am, than I am about one petulantly being seen to dismiss the seriousness of a reckless contact with the head in the professional game. Like Carl Carl has been cited, right? He probably shouldn't have asked Carl Dixon if he was fucking kidding with him. Although he did have a good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was clear that was clearly a no arms tackle and it was at least a pen and probably more and quite dangerous. But like the his the sort of hot air and hysterical takes spouted about it about you know, basically a young black player venting his understandable frustration at a ref getting it wrong in a disrespectful way is in stark contrast to the complete fucking silence that Liam Williams's much more fucking chopsy comments got when he got sent off against the Blues. You know, saying, oh, going to stop playing touch, is it? Twice. As he sort of mardied his way off the field. 
was so like it's been broadly treated in the same way that that Dwayne Vermeulen doing exactly the same thing a couple of weeks ago, mm. sort of being treated like it's funny. And honestly, which one of those things is more harmful to the game? Deal with that Lee Williams thing first. Yeah, I think there's still this. Um, and we were part of a discussion with some friends, weren't we, about that really good point about morality in rugby that people still see a red card as a moral problem and and, and a moral comment, a comment on a person's morality, yeah, rather than a reaction to this thing that just happened. Yeah, it's like he did a fucking e Honda style flying headbutt. Into Shane, Shane Lewis was lying on the floor. Yes, he was. Like, I mean, seriously, though, I mean, how thick have you got to be so that you can even clear somebody out? Assuming like that's what that. he was doing. Yeah, it's like, like it's not as you say. It's not a moral sanction. Like people thinking like that is a hangover from the days when, in order to get a rugby a red card in rugby, you basically had to commit a violent crime. Yeah, you had to be Jack the Ripper, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Liam um, obviously and it was a moral problem then because you would be yeah. sticking your thumb in someone's eye or ripping yeah. the testicles yeah. off or something. You know, it yeah, wouldn't... but it's not like that anymore. Like Liam Williams probably didn't mean to smash his head into Shane Lewis Hughes's head in the way that he did, but it doesn't really fucking matter. As we've said so many times on this fucking podcast over the last five years, intent does not matter. Like a red card is not about punishing the player, for, not just about punishing the player for a reckless dangerous act it's about protecting them and everyone else on the field from more reckless behavior by removing them from the field to play it's not a statement on his character it's a statement that i'm making people players next time be... think oh yeah you get sent off for that now don't you yeah exactly so maybe i won't do it it's it's like it's all it's a t- sort of a commonly treaded example but it's no different to tip tackles the only way that that behavior changed was by fucking sending Sam Warburton off in a World Cup semi in a World Cup quarter final semi final I should say. But there is still an entire thick, rich seam of people in rugby who still agree that all of that is fine. So then it's okay for Liam Williams to say that to the ref, and that's amusing. Yeah, but then it's not okay for Carlsington to go. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, to be fair, that. Everything associated with things like that has very consistently in rugby been a no-no. And usually self-policed by the players, actually. No, it's true. And and Sinclair has some form for it when he got a bit excited and then sort of apologised to an international a couple of years ago and then apologised to the ref, which was very, very <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah, I remember that, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I just, I don't know, like, I'm finding something about, maybe it's just the spirit of the age, but like this whole sort of notion of like deferring, like the relentless obsession with respecting the referee in rugby, is just so tied up in the sort of maybe it's reading that fucking book about all them World War One <laughs> rugby lads, posh rugby lads. But like it's all so tied up in like the sport's inherent fucking classism and the Victorian morality that like like the sport of rugby won't end if a player back chats a ref without getting publicly flogged for it like i don't know i don't know i just don't why should it why should it be seen as such a bad thing to question authority <laughs> like i know that sport requires there's a there's a line between abuse telling a ref to fuck off is not acceptable mm. telling anybody on a field of sport to fuck off or in the workplace is not acceptable you know but Saying, are you fucking kidding me, is, you know, 
I don't have an issue with it. I genuinely, I would not, you know, I think that he understand it. You know, he he understandably realised that he'd overstepped the mark. And, you know, I think it was perfectly fine of Carl Dixon to say, look, you don't talk like that to me. And for me, that should have been the fucking end of it. People saying he should have got sent off. Fuck off should he get sent off for that. Like, he momentarily lost his cool and then apologised for it afterwards. The fact they've cited him for it is fucking absurd. The fact that he'll probably get just as long a ban as Liam Williams did for fucking taking Shane Lewis' head off and not being sorry about it is fucking absurd. It Rugby makes a fucking ass of itself with this sort of shit. It really does. Yeah, it's a tricky... It's, I'm not quite as decided as you. I do... I. I like, to be honest, more than anything, because a lot of the kind of histrionics, if they do come in, and it has come in in rugby league a lot more in the past 10 years in particular, more than anything, a kind of tedious. I agree with and, you. And if, and if you've got a kind of, and I think there's something about, and it's not because I've got a moral issue about shouting F off at another blow or, or you know, for fuck's sake, near to something. Jesus, you listen to this podcast. But the, the <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. I think it's more. I think the game's better to not have it in it, and and then it's not because of a morality thing. It is just actually. I think it's just a. It's a better thing to not have people fucking arguing at the ref and it becoming a thing. I get what you say, but at the same time, I just I particularly also feel like it's a respect like. As you say, respecting officials and not having that kind of tediousness is a good thing in rugby and should be encouraged. But at the same time, I don't, it sort of forces players to adopt the sort of Victorian upper-class mannerisms and deference that I just find very uncomfortable. Tugging your forelock, no matter what they've actually well, exactly, yeah, tugging, yeah. No, it doesn't matter how wrong the ref is, you say, yes, sir. No, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm not sure that like teaching kids that challenging authority, even when it's blatantly wrong, is is a good thing for sport to do anymore. You know, like I feel like we're past that, and particularly when you're talking about a sport that you want to, you know, reflect a variety of backgrounds and, you know, a different. Why should we force everybody into this cookie cutter of yes, sir, thank you, sir, sorry, sir? Like, how far is it respect and how far is it forcing people to conform in a way that causes them to suppress their own background and their own exuberance and their own personality? I don't give a fuck if Carl Sinclair is over the top and silly and occasionally steps over the line to losing his head. Because I think, and the same with somebody like Alice Genge. I don't because I think that's just them being their authentic selves as athletes and people, and it's not something I thought much about for the last couple of months. But it's something that's really started to bother me about rugby is this sort of desire to push everyone into the same box that comes with this sort of code of inverted commas respect that I'm just I'm not sure how helpful it is anymore. It's helpful I, I in some ways, but I, it's I don't like comparisons to football because I'm a big football fan and I think a lot of them are classist and irritating. However, if you remove that for a minute, would you want to see the kind of behaviour towards officials in football in rugby? Would you be happy with that? 
Because that's no, ultimately what we're what you be you could you could be sanctioning really. You could be sanctioning, but that that you know, it's not like that in tennis. You know, somebody like you know, somebody occasionally will lose their fucking mind at an umpire. And you got Nick Kyrgios um, in tennis, who's yeah. one of the most entertaining people I've ever watched <laughs> exactly. in my life. <laughs> you know, and they go over. You know, people regularly remonstrate with the ref, and the ref just goes no. And if they go too far, then they get you know they get sanctioned for it. And I yeah, don't I see, see what you mean. there's anything wrong with there shouldn't, rugby. There shouldn't make... be prior restraint, as Walter from the Big Lebowski would say. <laughs> exactly. I I don't have any. Don't make this a with... constitutional thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any issue with Carl Sinclair saying, are you fucking kidding me? And then Carl Dixon going, look, do not talk to me like that. And him going, sorry. That to me is actu- yeah. what an actual level of, like beyond the sort of... Because I think everybody agrees that that Dylan, Dylan Hartley thing where, where Wayne Barnes said, he said fucking cheat. And yeah. I thought he said it to me. So he's going off. Mm. I don't think anybody else would you have a do you still agree with that? I mean, I I would it's a different kettle of fish because obviously Dylan Hartley had the great the previous there. But I do think that there's a it's I think I'd absolutely more, draw the line at calling official a cheat. I think you should Yeah, go for it, that's the thing. If he he should have gone for that if Wayne Barnes, to the best of his ability, you know, and knowledge. Yeah, that's what he said. He said that, Wayne Barnes is a reasonable guy. He said I believed yeah. he was directing that at me. So you go. Yeah. Yeah, in that sort of situation, absolutely fucking like questioning you know, questioning anyone's credibility and integrity is unacceptable on a sports field or, you know, anywhere in life. Certainly not without cause. But like, should you like that's if for me what happened between Carl Sinclair and, and Carl Dixon was genuine respect, in that he got a bit carried away, said something that he shouldn't have, realised it, but was still rightly pissed off that. And between Dixon two didn't grown get, men went, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I shouldn't have said that. Just, yeah. And he went, fair enough, and then he apologised for it after. But instead, we have a sort of fake respect. Where to the same it, weirdly in that same game where Dixon sent off both props because he didn't have a clue what was going on at the scrum and didn't know how to fix it. Oldest story in the world. <laughs> but that it, that was like a very obvious fake level of authority because he didn't understand how to referee it properly, and so he just went, "I'll get it's, two new ones on," it's, it's and the, it's it's yeah. It's, it's, it's heavy-handed in a sort of way. The flip side of it is that it is, it is, it is the worst Nigelisms the other way, because he spoke to people like they were seven. Yeah, when they were, you know, when they're grown up. You know, exactly, and that's the thing. It's like if if you are expecting to treat players like adults. Imagine a policeman they, talking to you like Nigel Owens did. Yeah, I'd write the long, I'd write the longest letter of complaint that I've ever fucking written in my life, probably, if that happened to me. Yeah, and it, it's it's. I would much rather rugby players were allowed to behave like adults and were allowed to have a certain level of, you know, personal responsibility, but also freedom to express themselves than this kind of very oppressive, very, if you say the wrong thing or you speak in a manner that we find unacceptable, I will send you from this field of play. I can see what you're saying. I'm a bit worried about the... the, the the unintended consequences of it 
No, I don't. I, I However, don't. I take your point about tennis that most people don't do it, and the ones that do get a warning and they pack yeah. it in. You get a public it's warning, a, don't you? Effectively, they pack yeah. it in. Otherwise, you're off. Then you forfeit. The reason the that football, the reason that football has got as bad as it was, is because referees basically didn't enforce. You know, if some yeah, the, cult, if, the culture of the game became what it was. There's, there's yeah. my, I suppose. There's and nothing to say that that inevitably happens because it doesn't happen in every sport. No. So, <laughs> and it certainly would not happen in a sport that, like rugby union, has hot mics on the field of play. Also, the fact that generally, if you do go too far, as you said, generally, in my experience, that when I played and stuff, it was self-policing. They'd say, "Calm down, otherwise you're going to fuck us here." Yeah, you know, if you, and actually, it tends to self-police itself. And I think what you're really advocating for is a is a move in the line, really. Yeah, and I think you could see, like, Luatua realised instantly that Sinclair has gone too far because hmm. he was just hand on him and basically said, go go away now. And as, to an extent, this is self-policing, you know. Yeah. A captain will tell a player to get a fucking hold of himself if he's too yeah. hyped, too wound up. I don't know, I just... I, Something about the whole thing. I can see what you're saying. I'm undecided. I would, yeah. you know, we don't know. I, I appreciate people won't agree with me about this, and some people feel very strongly about. It must be a weird of... position for you to be in. People not agree. <laughs> yes, weird so. people. <laughs> but I imagine that people who usually do agree with me probably won't agree with me about this. But I don't know. I just if there I are find... certain sacred cows in rugby, aren't there? There are. And, and, and using understand... the swears near a referee is is yeah, is a and, bit, and, is, and, is, and doesn't he... happen ever indeed bringing up anything about... To the point at which it's making me feel slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> so, yeah, me, so. uh, yeah, it's like anything to do with the referee is sacrosanct in our sport, and I'm not sure it should be. See, because so. I quite like the fact that when Andre... I don't know why, but when Andre Watson did that worst decision ever in the 2003 final, when, <laughs> when England were pushing <laughs> South Africa over their own line, and he blew it up and gave a penalty to South Africa... And Lawrence Lawrence Delalio looks at him and, and and shrugged his shoulders and did the kind of the kind of upturned <laughs> smile thing. I went and then just went walked back to his mark because you know under normal circumstances suddenly be ranting. At, so I quite like that, but then again, I don't know why I don't like it because really you should just go. Are you fucking kidding me, Rev? Shouldn't you be allowed to do that? And that's way. the thing. It's it's. But like, I suppose to say you can do but that, but you do rugby, it can, rugby can contain multitudes. You know, yeah. I'm still absolutely fine with only the captains like being able to directly have conversations with. Well, the they can say, "You're fucking fun. kidding me, ref." You, yeah, and then the referee can go, Shh, "Stop it!" And yes. go, "All right." Yeah, because actually, something about that shouldn't not then mean he misses the six. Na- then he misses the six nations because he asked the ref if he was fucking serious. Is silly. Yeah, but now that's what's going to happen because there's no rugby going to be played before the start of the six nations, so he's probably going to miss a couple of games for England. To be continued, no doubt. Yes. Um, so, weekend, have Exeter been figured out or are they just a bit tired? <laughs> I think they're a bit tired and also they, they're missing quite a lot of very good players. It's still not moment. a bad side, is it? But I know it's still not a, It's still a very good side, don't get me wrong. But you look at the players that weren't playing for Exeter on the weekend and it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of good players there to come back. Do you remember when? Do you remember when um, that that five week period when Don Armand not been in the England squad was the biggest disgrace in rugby? Uh, yes, and then nobody mentioned that, it again, and now he's the second choice lock. Yeah, no, they, <laughs> and he's really not very good with it. <laughs> he's not. He, is, he has really not played very well over the last couple of weeks. I watched the Wasps game and I watched the Bristol game, and I was I was shocked by 
how quickly that guy has sort of seemingly gone off a cliff. I'm sure he wasn't that bad last season, to be brutally honest. But it just seems like he's gone off a cliff performance-wise in quite a strange way. Johnny Hill is like just the uber shit, isn't he? He just doesn't stop. He's an absolute... He might very well be a nice guy, but on the field, he's... Oh, my word. He is Cobra Kai. (laughs) Yeah, no, he absolutely is. Hell of a... You know, another hugely impressive win for Bristol, though. Yeah, and actually, well, some it's, we'll, we'll hope we'll part that for a minute because a lot of that's coming up in shit good. So um, mm. we'll, we'll leave that for a sec. Uh, anything else on the weekend? Um, Leinster are all right, are good again. I'm quite, I'm quite happy to see Cardiff not look quite so miserable all the time with the prospect of die. We haven't talked about die. We haven't talked about die. Die is back, and the mere idea of his presence... <laughs> the mere concept of Die Means they can't in there. buck up their ideas. I'm very excited, even as a non-Cardiff fan. Just, like, it feels right, you know? Yeah, and, and just an entirely square man, like he's in Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, a Minecraft 100%. man. He's all anglers, that guy. Beautiful. Both, both in terms of running and... your hometown, and, of course. Yes, he he's Aberdeer boy. Is Cumbair he from near where you were in Abadair? Is it, is it? Yeah, yeah, he's from Cumdare. Like, well, he used to, he lived in Cumdare. Well, I'm sure I've, I've said this on the podcast before, but he used to live in a. He used to live in the new estate where my mate lived in Cumdare. I mean, it was a nice house, but like a couple of people I was in school with lived there, and they yeah. weren't particularly rich. Detached house on the new estate. Yeah. New yeah. build detached house on the new estate yeah. overlooking the country park, and uh, yeah. He used to, you know. Used you to did see tell us that you saw him in. Did you see him in Weatherspoons in Aberdeen? I saw him the, shortly after he left the Blues the first time around. I saw him. He was in Weatherspoons on a Friday night, and no, actually, it was when he was still at Cardiff. And some reason he wasn't with the. I think the Blues were like playing fucking Benetton or something, and somehow for some reason he was in Weatherspoons in Aberdeen, and the game was because it was on still on BBC in those days. The games were on the telly. And I was just sitting there watching it sort of around the table. And I looked and I was like, hang on. <laughs> Shouldn't you be? In? I, I assume it was some sort of like. Was he watching or was he like not No, so did not watch in any way, shape or form, which <laughs> I found brilliant. Really he, like, I, I kept looking at him to see if he was watching the game. So I was like, mate, that's your fucking team playing there. And just didn't care. Did what? not care at all. Please tell me you can remember what was the, what was the clobber like? Black trouser. Um, it was sort of 2000 and, would have been 2004, 2005. Oh, so, so it was, it was um, bootcut jeans. Yes. Shoes, obviously. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a sort of pink and white striped open collar shirt. Fucking beautiful. <laughs> it's exactly what you wanted him to wear, isn't it? I mean, what else do you want him in? And he was drinking... I think he had Magnus. I think him in his um I think he might have started on the Magnus and then he moved on to pictures of Woo Woo. Oh because you non know, when more went, valleys. What a man. <laughs> when you're in when you're in I mean he stood out because that was obviously the era in the valleys where all the men who were of dye's size and build uh wore those plunging pink V neck T shirts that looked like they'd been sort of eaten by animals. Scoop neck. Yeah, the sort of real plunging, sort of down to the nipple yeah. of these. 
Well, I was glad he, he was just wearing the shirt, if I'm brutally honest. He wouldn't tolerate something wouldn't so informal. Shit. Was Saturday no, night. Of course not. Out in the pub Saturday <laughs> it night. Was, it was Friday night, actually, I remember. But still, the it, weekend night, yeah. you have to make a fucking yeah. effort, do you know what I mean? Exactly. There might be a turn on. Exactly. I still, to this day, would like to know why he wasn't coaching Cardiff that night. And not interested. Did he, no, had he been sacked? Was it just before he left? Did maybe, he know he was was just before, maybe I got my timelines mixed up, but I, I'm sure I vividly remember sitting there. And this was, this was presumably when you could still smoke in pubs because I was in the smoking bit of Weatherspoons in Aberdeer, <laughs> which was separated from the I mean, it's all fucking glamour, yeah. whichever way you slice it. But. <laughs> which was separated from the non smoking bit of Weatherspoons by nothing. Um, <laughs> like smoking on the plane. <laughs> it's a sealed tube, for fuck's sake. <laughs> And he came because it was you could always get seats in the smoking area, usually because so his, him and his missus and some friends had to come and sit in the smoking area while I was sitting there fucking chaining my camel blues. It would have been at that point. Oof. Oof. <laughs> they thought they'd been purchased for effect, Josh, and not very funny. <laughs> I could. Yeah. Why did I ever smoke camel blues? Horrible fags. No wonder you got COVID. No one. <laughs> Fucking I smoked, They're already I smoked, scarred. I smoked lungs. camel yellows at one point at the start of university, which is the Marlboro Red equivalent. It was like fucking smoking paint in a horrendous stuff. When I first went with my wife, I didn't, I've never smoked, and she smoked Marlboro Red, and I met her at uni. Oh, hardcore. Yeah, and it just shows you how much I've fancied the trousers off her, because basically that didn't put me off. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> they have an odour. Uh, anyway, that, yes. sorry, that was the weekend. Anything else on the weekend? Uh, no, I'm pretty satisfied as an Ospreys fan, to be honest. Especially with what Toby Booth said at the end of the game, which was basically, "This is we're we're on we're going somewhere. We're nowhere near there yet, but this is good." And I agree. Obviously, a lot of the weekend is covered in shit good, so that's how we can, uh, which Indeed. we will now move on to this very second. Mm. I guess we always start with shit, so we can brighten up everyone's day with good yeah. at the end. Which some will end up sounding like shits as well, but that's just how we roll. Have you got any shits or do we go do you know to, the, to the, to the got, people? I've decided that I've got no shits this week because I think the world's shit enough and I don't feel like any beat being... I've been negative enough tonight. So I'm just going to let it go. Narrator, everything that was on his list had already been talked about, ladies and gentlemen. That's what... <laughs> <laughs> uh, right then, shit. Cole Devitt gets in touch. He says shit mm-hmm. is Sanjay, Liam Williams, his reaction to it and everyone who agrees with him about it. Yes, <laughs> cash your net wide, Cole. We like it. It's fucking true, though. James Franklin says shit is people getting more het up that players swear on a rugby field and players' actions on a field that can cause injury. I don't condone that language, he says, but it says a lot about the situation at the moment, which kind of feeds into what you were saying. He's not quite going full, Josh, on the swearing, but he's he's, he's kind of there. I condone the language. (laughs) I condone all language. (laughs) But no, I agree. I I just think there are bigger things to be worrying about for the Ospreys at the moment. Uh, For the Ospreys, for the rugby at the moment. (laughs) Uh, Evergreen statement. Um, The biggest thing you need to worry about is that Stephen Myler's not getting any younger. That's what you need to worry about. (sighs) Ageless. Ageless (laughs) Stephen Myler. What else we got here? Rose gets in touch. He says, shit, is Ulster losing their winning streak just one round before inevitably sport is cancelled again? (laughs) Do we think that's a realistic possibility? Uh, I don't think it is. I don't. Th- I think it'll carry on. I I've read some slightly worrying shit from uh, Dan Rowan on the BBC today, which basically says that the government has told sport that 
it needs to get its shit together after basically because of the FA Cup on the weekend where you know there were multiple shots of you know players having celebrating and changing rooms in a non-socially distanced <laughs> manner and loads of fans hanging around outside you know, little minnow grounds, not socially well, distancing. Well, Tottenham played Marine in Birkenhead, didn't they? So exactly, yeah. And so, thing. you know, and the streets were fucking lined, which I, I sympathise with, but apparently the government is running out of patience with that sort of shit. So, I mean, yeah. It's a good job they're getting into it nice and early, though, we've run out of patience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of stuff, <laughs> yeah. Miles Burley it's... gets in touch on the Twitter, yes. and he says, shit, is Gloucester. You had a losing good bonus point, and all you had to do was not do anything stupid for three minutes, and you couldn't even do that, <laughs> says her. Oh, Gloucester. I don't know why we expected Gloucester to not be themselves, but they really have snatched comedy from the jaws of looking quite decent again about 18 months ago. The wheels really have come off there in a way that, I mean, it always defies belief, but particularly at the moment with the squad that they've got. What else have we got here? The shit. Where, where are the table now, Gloucester? Oh, the bottom. Oof. Of course they are. What else have we got here then? Uh, Jack Owen, from shit Owen Glendura says shit is Exeter's one dimensional play well it all was ever thus never more demonstrated than by Ian Whitten on the wing who's 80 <laughs> minutes stats read meters made zero breaks zero players beaten zero offloads zero tackles made two tackles missed one I mean it's not no wonder you need some fucking Kit Kats after that I was going to say I bet he absolutely mainlined those <laughs> before he even got home all four of them <laughs> I've never done that before, eating all four things from a garage before I get home. Honest. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Jack Hurst gets in touch. He says that shit is cleaning fucking skirting boards. Oh, yeah. I moved out. I don't think I've ever cleaned a skirting board. I'll be honest, like, I've never cleaned a skirting board in my life. Uh, no. I mean, I hoover them to get the dust off. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. yeah. And maybe he's cleaning them before painting them, though. You know? See, I've never done I don't. I don't clean surfaces before I paint Neither them. Neither do I. I just fucking I just rack it up, get it painted. Yeah. I sometimes sand them. Yeah. You can buy liquid sand, though. You can wipe on with a cloth. It's like it's like a sticky type thing. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, this is exciting. I've got a lot of doors that need sanding, so. Well, obviously, it doesn't work. It's, I mean, you have to, like, if you're going to paint over the top of the liquid oh, sand. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can't yeah, put yeah, it, yeah, It doesn't, like, sand paint off wood just by rubbing it. Oh, no, 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 no. I've got a sander for that. It's fine. I've got, an, I've got the little yeah, you say You say that, sander. but it's fucking miserable. I hate sanding. With a fiery press, which is probably the worst job. I mean, is there a worse job in DIY? Uh, dolphin sanding? wanker. That's a worse yeah, job. <laughs> dolphin wanker. Terrible. Although she seemed to enjoy it and claims to enjoy it. Uh, the most, I bet. Yeah. You know, like Stockholm syndrome. Is there a word for starting to enjoy doing it? You know, tossing off animals because you've done it enough. Probably. <laughs> I bet the Germans have got a word for it. Cockholm syndrome. <laughs> there it is. Yes. <laughs> Uh, right then, a rugby person gets in touch. He says that shit is if France pull out the Six Nations, but the tournament goes ahead anyway. Scotland won't be able to claim they're the reigning Five Nations champions anymore. Oh uh, yeah, it won't I go don't ahead. Think there's, though, there's, it, there's absolutely no chance that the Six Nations goes ahead without France. It's just and will Ireland game. travel? 
Well, this is the other thing. Ireland are not exactly in great shape themselves, but again, plague Ireland. Don't want to get too involved in the politics, but I did. I did. I did appreciate the shit housing the Republic did by saying, "Don't worry, Northern Ireland students, we'll pay. We'll pay for Erasmus for you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you, you guys are fine. Right, shit housing <laughs> the UK, one child at a time. Um, what else have we got? Craig Hogg gets in touch. He says, "Shit, is Glasgow versus Edinburgh game cancelled due to the pitch being unplayable, even though it's an artificial pitch built to withstand the Scottish weather?" Yeah, that was a weird one. <laughs> and just sort of got the vibe of, well, we can't just say it's cancelled because of COVID again. So <laughs> yeah. can we just think of something else? The pitch is a plastic pitch, doesn't matter. We're living strange times. <laughs> but Craig says good is Lee's hair, because before the last pod, I didn't think he had any. Again, it comes back to this thing about people. Did I mention you're having bald? hair on the last pod? Uh, you did. Been. You said that you mentioned something about haircuts. You bought some. You bought clippers. That's, That's why. right. They've arrived. Clippers. Yeah. Yes. Oh, excellent. Not going to get <laughs> trapped again like last time. <laughs> um, and you uh, and you said that people often think that you're bald, which he's just proved. Yeah. To be fair. People thought I was bald. Mm. Got them from Argos. The clippers delivered oh, yeah. on the same day. Argos same day delivery thing is next level. Which comes from the our Argos has moved into Sainsbury's. Yes, as as many of them have. Yeah, the Sainsbury's in Flint, by the way, and I think I can state this without argument is the shittest Sainsbury's in the entire <laughs> world. And I think it's because they stock to their market, don't they? Yes, they do. And you know, it's that's why my local Asda is a depressing place. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to buy some a, better stuff to get an algorithm updated. Doesn't, doesn't have anything good. Look, I told you. I, I, think, I might have told you this off air. I don't think I said it. That, that you know how like the Nectar card tells you how you know what you've bought more than anybody else every year. I didn't know that, but I have yeah, heard this. I, yeah, I didn't do this until friend of the pods, uh, Robbie Squidge Robbie, uh, mentioned that Nectar cards do this. But Marks and Spencer's Sparks card also does this, and I was the number seven. Uh, consumer of bakery, go- fresh bakery goods from my local M&S last year, which made me feel both proud and depressed. <laughs> in, <laughs> I like, I like a fresh white bull. What can I tell you? You know, M&S as well. The yeah. fact you've got a Sparks card though. I'm well, it's you. I mean, they were. I got it because they're like when you scan it. We might we'll give money to charity, and I was like, "All right, then you little shit, fucking have it." And we'll fucking bread shame you at the end of the year. Exactly. I wasn't aware that bread shaming was part of it. <laughs> Robbie got cheese shamed. Of yeah, course. he did. He did. Robbie bought more grated uh, mature cheddar cheese than he might have been saving than this for anyone else. To be fair, it is. Yeah, yeah let's be quiet. Than, than so, anyone else in the, in his Sainsbury's. But I say I'm right there with him. I'm all for buying pre-grated cheese. Saves time. My son's an enormous consumer of, of cheesy nachos. So we always got to have uh, cheddar cheese in so that he can basically just put a plate full of plain nachos, chuck cheddar cheese and lob it in the microwave for two he's, minutes. That's he's it. ready to be a student, that guy. Isn't he? He's very, <laughs> cool, very close. I would say, though, if you want to be kind of, if he wants to raise his game a little bit, you should get the shredded mozzarella and cheddar mix because that makes it a bit meltier. I mentioned that a to bit him. Creamier. He also he, he fucking like artisaned it up in the past few weeks. He started cutting like chorizo into little tiny cubes, frying that up, fucking hell. and then putting that on, then sticking it in the microwave. So, I, so he's like, I tell you, I tell you what, tell kids, kids these days. Yeah. Um, anyway, lastly on the ship, Paolo Frutini 
says, shit is Bath being a hair's breadth away from not getting any league points despite scoring 39 match points. <laughs> Can we talk about, tell you actually what is shit. I'm going to break, I'm going to break my promises of not having a shit. Is that Leicester have, are in the top half of the table despite having played like one game this season. It's fucking plague ball though, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, most of their points have come from cancellations, which just doesn't seem right. I'm sorry, it just does not seem right. I'll tell you what. I know there's there's fucking no way to make this good, but it just doesn't seem right. And Leicester, you know, I mean, imagine their countenance. Anything to get back in the top half. They're probably sending, like, parcels full of COVID to, like, training grounds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because they've got to get back on top somehow and God knows changing managers and the signings they're making ain't working so mm-hmm. what else have we got oh we're on good now oh have yeah, you, yeah have you got any goods then seeing as you're all full of sweetness and oh life? yeah I've got goods uh, tell you what Jamie Roberts is looking better than he has in years like some of the angles that he was running on Saturday against the Ospreys and the pace that he was hitting them with were proper fucking vintage Jamie Roberts on a Lions tour Angles and he was really making fucking hay. He was unlucky not to get a try or two. Do you think he's um he's you know um he's like Samson like stitched his strength back into him with his hair his hair weave. <laughs> Maybe it's whatever it is though. Coming to the dragons as as really you know he he looks fitter. He looks leaner. Like I don't think I think his Wales days are past him, but. Honestly, he's he's the best twelve in Wales at the moment, except for Kieran Williams. Obviously, he's the best player on the planet. But like, <laughs> but other than him, you know, he's really in great form, and it wouldn't be the stupidest thing in the world for him to be in the world squad for the Six Nations. Uh, Morgan gets in touch. He says, "Good was the clip of that player lifting." Uh, Lifting the ref in France, he said, but then shit was me searching him on Google and finding out he's a gigantic prick. Yes, yes he is. It's just two kind of words, really. It's a, it's, a, it's a classic milkshake duck scenario, isn't it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Adam uh, Reese gets in touch and he says, yes. you know what my good is, so mm-hmm. let's just play the song. There yeah. you go. He's back, everyone. Also from In the Blues, though, uh, Jared Evans. Eventually, someone is going to catch on to the fact that he just dummies and goes. <laughs> <laughs> but the Scarlets did not get their head around it at all in that game. And it was very fun to watch. Just like, he's going to do it again, isn't he? He's going to do it again. He's gonna, yeah, he's dummied and he's ran through a massive hole. And again. it's lovely to see, but it's, the problem is it triggers a load of fucking idiots. On Twitter to yes, say how he's the answer to making Wales is number ten right now, and it's like you realise what you should be worried about is that it's Wales's fucking first choice centre partnership that he's making look like <laughs> fucking mugs. Yeah, with a direct your attention elsewhere, <laughs> and let's see if he tries to do that to Bundyaki or something. <laughs> uh, right, then what have we got here? Luke Upton, old friend of the pod and author yeah. and lovely man Luke Upton gets in touch. He says, good is Neathport Talbot Council having gritters called Justin Non-Slipperick and Gareth Spreadwards. I take slight issue with Has that. Has he made though. that up? 
Uh, no, it's true. They've 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 got in on the naming Gritter's funny thing game, um, but they've called it Justin Non-Slipperick with an E. So it's like slipper. And it should be instead a of U. slipper. Yeah, which uh, I mean, get it right, guys. It's not fucking hard. Justin Tipper doesn't look like he laughs much. He's <laughs> like a serious man. He hasn't got a wonderful man, but a serious yeah. man. <laughs> he doesn't got a smile line, yeah. does he? You know? It reminds me of uh, the White House counsel in the West Wing. When he says, yeah, I can assure yeah, yeah. you, I've never found anything charming. <laughs> that's kind of that's the vibe I get on Justin Tipperick. Big style. I mean, I'd love to, I genuinely, like, I, it will never ever happen, but I genuinely love to be friends with him. Just because I want to know what he's like off the field. Because I've, I've seen little, I've heard little snippets of stuff. I like, like, on the Lions, Plus, on the 2013 Lions tour, where it said that the only person that Felipe Falato spoke to was Justin Tipperick, <laughs> and that's just because they like playing FIFA together on their in their room on their own, and that to me is sums up both men perfectly. I also I'm fascinated to know the kind of Croatian lineage lad from Sabanos. Do you know what I mean? There's something. <laughs> oh, how Croatian he feels. Does he feel? I don't know. Is there been interviews about this with him? Yes, I think he has done some stuff because it was like his. I know he's pointed out, hasn't he, that it's actually Tipperich. He's made that point a few times. Yeah, I think he's put his Tipperich, but I think they gave up on it a couple of years ago. Right. A couple of generations because it was his grandfather that yes. came over after the war. And I think after about 15 years of no. Because his grandfather was a minor, wasn't he? Of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why else you go to South Wales? After Hopefully he wasn't part of the Nazi sympathising side of Croatia because there was quite yeah. a chunk of that. We can only hope so. Uh, it, uh, yeah, so um, he... I'm basically just looking at a Wales Online article to see if there's any... Info. <laughs> yeah, okay. His, his grandfather, Dragotin, was a former Croatian prisoner of war. Also oh. not... Um, oh. Uh, oh. But which... For who? Was he in the German prison or our prison? <laughs> After being released by the uh, German army. He was what? Nice. He was locked up by the German army? No. he was, Yes, so he was locked up by the German army. So oh, he was good then. The, so he was, he was a partisan the right then. Good man. Good, good, good lad. Good lad. Drag- was, oh, his, do you know what his name was? Go. Dragotin Tipperich. Get in. That's a brilliant name. Uh, you won't fucking mess with him, would you? Yeah, and moved to Morrison and became a coal miner. And was fondly known as Mad Mike, which seems like his grandfather <laughs> was a hell of a lot more of a laugh than Justice. <laughs> but you know, he might have been, he might not have been mad in the in the laugh way. He might have been mad in the never smiling and slightly terrifying way. <laughs> I get that. Bro. And if you've been through a prisoner of war camp with the Germans, you probably would. You know, you'd have a few. You know, things you want to get out of your system. Yeah, Justice's father Andy, uh, who was a roofer, lovely stuff. Um, we never got much history out of my grandfather. That says a lot. Um, but he spoke a few languages. The story goes that he was an interpreter, but he was a big, strong guy, much bigger than me. Justin would try and wrestle his granddad, and his brother would hang on to his arms, but they could never move him, even when he was in his 80s. Basically, he was harder than a fucking coffin nail, it sounds like. I'm getting very strong Devil Next Door vibes. I, I've never I've never come across a man so strong. He worked sinking shafts into hard headings, mining, basically, before it all cooled down. He was from a place by the river called border called Konjic, which is part of Bosnia now. He was built like a brick shithouse. Fair dues. Yes. And it In a pit, a t- ironically, the heading is at the bottom. Yes. 
I, my father was born in a village called, uh, well, a hamlet called Pithead. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, my father was born in a heading in then, <laughs> which would have been the most Welsh thing I've ever heard in my life. No, he was born in a hamlet called Pithead, which was at the head of a pit. Well, by where a head of a pit was underneath. But can, no, but you see, like, if you think the pit head is the top of the pit, but the heading yes. is at the bottom of the pit. Yes, yes. Figure that one out. Where were we? Right then. So, uh, Johnny says good is Matthias Orlando for the new for Newcastle. Looks like a, that was a great silly diversion, of, by the way, wasn't it? It wasn't it. Just, um, looks like a great bit of business, says Johnny. It does. Picking yes. him up from yeah, the burning yeah. embers of the Jaguares. Jaguares. I say anybody that you're picking up from the burning embers of the Jaguares. I mean, the Western Falls have basically signed off the fucking team. Gloucester's signed um, Santiago Carreras as well, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Good fucking signing that. Didn't do much good on Saturday, did it? No. Any good from you? No, I think we've done it all. Yeah. Okay, then. Hugo Gordon says good is Bristol. Always been a good team for high-scoring yeah. shootouts, but the weekend showed they can win tense arm wrestles in the mud now as well. Yeah, second year on the bounce, they've won away at Exeter as well. Patricia, who remains in a happy place, says good. Watching Exeter be comprehensively beaten two weeks in a row, she says. It was quite you, fun, wasn't it? If all rugby wasn't doomed again, I'd say long may it continue. Yes, indeed. Neil <laughs> uh, Webber says good was Semirandrandra's try. It was, actually. The Johan Lloyd catch and kick down the line. Oh, the that was beautiful. Ki- did, he, did he kick with both feet? I'm trying to remember now. Yes, I think he did. He kicked one with one and one with the other just <laughs> to show off. Um. I mean, this is not going to do Simon Thomas's blood pressure any good at all, is it? Really not. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, uh, the thing I liked about Semi's try was that it showed the other side of him, which is not just fasty, fasty, silky, silky. Yeah. It was, just, I am a fucking big bloke and I'm going to get over this fuck, line. Just fucking give it here. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Phil Jones says, good was Matt Prothero's feet for the Ospreys against the Dragons on Saturday night. Plus Stephen Myler, still the revelation of the season for me, says Phil. Yeah. Anybody that says that Calamaphone is the best signing in the Pro 14 this season... He does look good, though, doesn't he? He, he, does really he looks very fair. good. He looks very good indeed. But Stephen Myler's still better for me. Just because a number 10 is more important to a team than a number 8. He's certainly more important to your team, especially when Fuck the next one's low right price. Oh, so, yes. Actually, it, the next one's... Not Luke. I don't know what's happened to Luke Price. Well, <laughs> he's not playing, which he's is not, not going to be too cruel, but it's, it's probably best for him, really. Yeah, he's like third. He's somehow become third choice 10 behind a child. And Gareth Anscombe can only jog. Gareth Anscombe can only jog. Well, that's us, I think. I think it should be, shouldn't it? We've been going on for quite some time. It's been quite the digression fest this evening. Yeah, that's a bit. Get ready for more of this, guys. Two week break. Well, rug- so there's no rugby for two, but Pro 14 still going? I th- I th- no, because it's supposed to be Europeans' fortnight, oh, isn't it? Of course it is. So everything's off yeah. for two weeks. All we the only thing, think, yeah, the top 14 have gone, fuck it, we'll keep playing because France. Um, but I think everything else is going to be on pause for the week or two weeks. Well, this is where we come into our own, Josh. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to pretend to try and have a, a coherent thought about rugby for the next God, two weeks. No. So. It'll be great, isn't it? Thank you, everybody, though. Thanks for sticking with us through this. Indeed. Because it's been a weird old time, and we promise we'll keep sticking with you, even though we do have the odd break. And we'll speak to you all soon. Bye. Bye. 
Zero. It gets a bad rep. Like when people say they have zero interest in something. Well, if you're thinking of buying an electric car this year, you'll find this interesting because at Nissan we see the power of zero. Introducing the Nissan Leaf Power of Zero offer. Buy a brand new 100% electric zero emissions Nissan Leaf and get one year's free servicing, a free home charger, the lowest electric finance offer on the market and great savings on running costs. Now that's the power of zero. Find out more at nissan.ie. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.